0: Father, I really yeah, want to just recognize the weight of this topic and I want to recognize that you made us sexual beings. You made us with emotion and desire and passion and longing. And I pray you just shepherd us through our, our dating life or our single life or our married life. Um, yeah lead us in your way amen all right so i think we can all we can all agree that this is a big part of, of our life this is not necessarily what you it's not what you talk with your mum about uh, unless you unless you that way inclined but you know when the when the D&Ms start when you you're sleeping over with your mate the dnms often go in this direction um, who do you like where where are you at with that my mates and i used to have a code word what's the sitch with the tick which doesn't make any sense it was like the situation with the tickets because someone had like um, got two formal tickets he was going to ask this girl to go to the formal with him and we'd always ask what's the situation with the, the tickets did you get the formal ticket and that became our word. What's the stitch with the ticks? Um <laughs> to mean where, where are things at? But um, sexuality, romance, relationships, desire, it's, it's all a, a big part of life. If you, if you look at my um, Spotify playlists, a lot of the songs are pop songs and what are they about often? They're about this sort of stuff, love, often dating. Although marriage is becoming more trendy in pop circles. Thanks, Justin and Kanye and... And all those guys, but um, you know, I think particularly for young adults, dating and relationships takes up a lot of our headspace, maybe a lot of our, our heart space and our, our prayer life. Um, if we're not thinking about the person that we we like, maybe we're trying to trying to navigate modern life um, with sexual purity, which is it can be really hard. Like the way that advertising is sexualized these days, the um, the sort of porn culture of Instagram just the billboards all around on trams and buses sometimes i'm driving and i'm like you know the most sexually pure thing to do right now is to close my eyes and just hope for the best because there's just it's everywhere you know whether it's on the internet or hbo or or where it is you know there's there's other areas that this touches really deeply like maybe some of us are, are processing our parents marriage and what happened there maybe some of us are wondering Am I called to be single? I'm not sure if I want to be. Or maybe thinking about same-sex attraction and and where you stand on that as a follower of Jesus. I think we're always asking the question, what does the Bible have to say? Does the Bible have to say anything about this? The Bible doesn't, doesn't talk about dating, really, at all. Dating wasn't around. So what does the Bible have to say about marriage, about sex, about lust, divorce, desire? The Bible has a lot to say about it, actually. Um, and so I, I've decided we'll look at these two passages in particular because what we want to do um, is develop a godly, um, spirit-led vision for, for dating, relationships and sexuality a godly spirit-led vision. Take, take the words of Jesus, take the words of Scripture and let the Spirit lead us to form a, a vision, a goal for what is God's ideas about dating, even if he doesn't say, you know, in, in Revelation 20, thus shall date so-and-so. Or he doesn't say that. But we can, we can work out a lot as we let the Spirit lead us. Um, and so Paul, in Romans 12, Paul says this, and you've got your hand out there. I want you to, to pay attention to the commas because the commas help us read this well. So Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, So what I see here in this this scripture is that our bodies and our minds are connected. And if you've just been in in VCE mode, you might think that it's all all the mind. But as you get really tired and that starts to to affect you, you quickly realise that the body and the mind are connected. Our whole lives, our bodies, our desires, the way we think, it's all for God. Paul says, offer your bodies... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's, it's this all of life discipleship, it's this all of life worship that we're called to. That's, that's what the message picks up so well. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, you're walking around life. And he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world has a pattern. The world has a way of life. And it's a pattern that's easy to follow because it's, it's what everyone else is doing. You look sideways, you look, you look on the internet, you look at your mates, you look at what's normal. There's a pattern. There's a, there's a, a way of life in the world, which is the water we swim in. And when it comes to dating, the, that pattern says date whoever you desire says, objectify other humans for your own gratification. Whatever it is, Paul says, don't conform. Don't fall into line with that way of thinking, with that way of living. But be transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, allow the spirit to renew, make new your way of thinking. Make new what you think about like your mental maps, how you perceive um, reality, what you think is good, what you think is true, what you think is beautiful, may that be renewed by the teachings of Jesus, by the teachings of Scripture, that you'd have a new way of seeing the world. You'd have a renewed mind and you'd be transformed by that instead of conformed. And here's the zinger, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Like, that's what we want, isn't it? Then you'll be able to test and approve. You'll, you'll be able to work out what's God's will. His, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you'll be able to live it out. So good. Thanks, Paul. Legend. He's top shelf, that guy. Right, still, still king goals 2,000 years later. But Paul wants us to be renewed by the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And so... An amazing gift we have is the four Gospels and the way Jesus reveals who God is, the way Jesus brings light into darkness and into the world, the way Jesus doesn't just say, here's what you've got to believe, sign sign that document, say, "I, I agree, and then it's all good. He tells stories. He lives out a way. He has a way of being in the world, and he says, follow me. He's a single guy. And in Matthew 19, the, the Pharisees are testing him. They're saying, you know, Jesus, what do you say about divorce? Because there was, there was different ways of interpreting divorce at the time. And Jesus has this terrific response. And, and what Jesus does here in Matthew 19 is a play that we can actually learn from, that we can then extrapolate into all areas of sexuality because he's getting quizzed on divorce, but he has a play here which says, you're talking about divorce, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. I'm going to take you back to page one. And he's pretty cheeky, because these guys are like experts in in the Torah, right? And he goes, haven't you read? Haven't you read page one? He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the Creator made the male and female? And said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus says, How do we know what to do with divorce? Go back to the beginning. How do we know what to do with dating? Go back to the beginning. How do we know what to do with sexuality? Go back to the beginning. What was God's original design? What's his original intent? That's how we know. Paul actually in his um, famous bit on marriage, Ephesians 5, he quotes this as well because he's got, he's got the idea that, that you go back to the beginning to work out God's original design. And so what we, what we see here in Jesus saying that this is sort of our, our key text in understanding all these sort of topics is that God made humans male and female, that's really key here. And that when a man and woman get married, they leave their parents and they become one flesh. And I don't think I need to try and paint what one flesh is, but it's sexy. He's saying you're made as a man or you're made as a woman, which might be controversial, in Melbourne in 2019, but that's what he's saying. But part of that means you have inherent sexuality as part of who you are, that you're, you're male or female. And so we're all sexual beings. We're all made with desires and with appetites. It's interesting to, to note, though, as Jesus never had sex, that, that we're all sexual beings, but we're not all made to have sex that sex is a gift from God for married people, yet marriage isn't for everyone. Jesus is the most fully human human who ever lived. What it means to be human is to be Jesus. And so whatever the church or whatever culture says about that you need to be having sex or you need to be married to be like a full human, Jesus debunks that. We were made for God, we were made for love, we were made for each other. For many of us, that may look like marriage one day. But for for now, for most of us, and for some of us for a long time, possibly for our whole lives, it's, it's not what God has for us. So we understand that sex is a good gift from God, but that it's so beautifully and explosively powerful that he says this gift must be handled with such care that it, it can only be be handled in the container of a committed covenant marriage, a lifetime commitment. That's how explosive and wonderful it is. And so with all that said, a Christian vision for sexuality, dating and relationships must resist conforming to the pattern of the world. It must flow from a renewed mind and body and it begins at the beginning with God's original intent for marriage and sex. So that's sort of the goal. That's what we're aiming for. So the bits of life. How does, how does this touch um, the bits of our life? What does this mean for our everyday life? Um, particularly, what does it mean for people who are unmarried or single? I want to talk to how it affects dating, relationships and romance, and sex, sexuality and desire. So what it means for dating. When it comes to dating... Dating is not in the Bible, it's a modern construct, which we are free to embrace, so long as we use it with a renewed mind, not conforming to to the norms of the world. What this means then is that we date, but we, we don't date just to fulfill desire, or we don't date just to connect with someone we like. We don't just date because we're attracted to someone, or we don't just date so we can feel good or special or so that we can be intimate. We date intentionally with a plan to see, is this someone I want to marry? That's why we date. It's what used to be courtship or what used to be arranged marriage. For, for, for many people in our culture now, we have the privilege to, to work out ourselves. And yet, we don't work it out just ourselves, we... We work it out um, with family and friends and and sometimes community. Um, But we have a privilege in the way that that modern life works that we get a real say. And so we engage the dating relationship with wisdom, with prudence, with intentionality, but with a vision to work out, is this someone that I want to marry? What this means is, in general, I think if marriage is so far out of sight that you can't even like envision being married, then it doesn't make good sense to be dating. It also means if you know you're not going to marry this person, then don't date them either. Which means if they're not a Christian and you are, don't date them. That's some words of caution about dating, but I want to offer some words of encouragement as well, because we don't want to just bash dating as if it's like some scary bad beast, because it's actually fantastic. Um, so, if God's put on your heart that you would like to get married one day, then I want to say go for it. Like, seriously, go to, to BSF, to Christian Union, to CBF, which is City Bible Forum, um, that's what that means. Find parachurch organisations, find communities, find conferences. Maybe we've got to find something. It seems like you know, we didn't go to Connect this year, we did a little retreat together, but there's only 20 of us at Embrace. So find ways to befriend other Christians. So you might meet someone great, that you might meet someone you want to date, that you might meet someone that maybe God is going to allow you to marry one day. And it, it can be awkward, but I want to say just go for it just be honest show your cards say this is this is what I'm thinking I kind of like you let's you know go out for I don't know bubble tea or you know maybe something a bit a bit better um, who knows that's up to you free choice but just be honest there's no shame rejection happens but Relationships happen as well and you'd be surprised. You know, Start with friendship and just build something good, build something strong. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. If it gets strong, wow, you can take some further steps. So I think that's what a Christian vision for dating looks like really, really simply. We'll have some time for questions after. What this means for relationships and romance, as far as relationships goes, this means um, don't awaken love too early which is a line from the Song of Songs. And Jewish kids weren't actually allowed to read the Song of Songs until they were old enough because it's so sensual. But sex is for marriage. And so arousal and, and physical intimacy before marriage is just playing with fire. So, so what I want to say is, is be intentional about dating, but also be intentional about how you date and what you do while dating. You know, Sex is, is not just physical, it's also relational and emotional and, and we can create soul ties physically, emotionally, relationally um, before, before it's, it's time, before you put a ring on it as Beyonce so well said. It's like 10 years old, that song now. It's still just a hit. But be intentional about how you relate with your boyfriend or girlfriend Um, Also be intentional about how you relate with other men and other women when you're in a relationship. That's really important um, because, yeah, soul ties are just formed emotionally, physically, relationally. Again, that's a warning I want to encourage as well. Have fun. Be loving. Like, practice loving someone in the way of Jesus as much as you can. Because the way Jesus defines love is self-giving sacrifice. And so you can go nuts loving someone like that while you date. You can can love someone like Jesus while you date and you can just practice loving them and loving them like Jesus. Not loving them like a husband loves a wife, but loving them like Jesus. And if if it doesn't end up in marriage, you part ways and that hurts, but it won't kill you. A broken or disappointing marriage hurts a lot more than a breakup. And so sometimes sometimes you've got to pull the plug. If you're following in our little handout, we're in the bits of life and we're in the third bit there, what this means for sexuality and desire. When it comes to our sexuality and our desires, I want you to know that God made you a sexual being, that you have appetites and desires which are part of being human and part of how God made you. But primarily, he made you, first of all, for himself. He made you for himself. And the desires of your flesh can actually be tamed and, and temptation can be resisted because our ultimate desire for longing, intimacy, connection and communion is met fully by God and his gifts. God wants us to enjoy his creation. He wants to en- us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy love. But all in its proper place. That's a line we've been using a lot in the everyday. All in its proper place. So if someone's attractive, that's great. Praise God. If you get if you get the gift of if you receive the gift of marriage and have sex, that's awesome. But don't awaken love before its time. And desire is part of being human, but that that desire can get so warped and so twisted. And can lead to things like objectification and lust and pornography and sexual sin and impurity. And all of that stuff just hurts and hinders God's perfect plan and perfect purpose. That stuff, you know, is, that stuff can be so titillating and, and your desires can, can want that. But it hurts and hinders God's perfect plan. And it hurts and hinders people to steward your sexuality for God's beautiful purposes, which is either there's two. It's either marriage to one man or one woman or celibacy to God. They're the two directions your sexuality is heading. just some, some brief pastoral considerations. I want to offer some encouragement and some, some just some care, I guess, to three groups, which might find it hard to talk about this topic. Um, so first of all, people experiencing shame. There's, there's many people who have been wounded by sex relationships and romance, some from a broken heart, others from something much more sinister, others from, from your own sin. And I want you to know that that anyone who's experienced sexual brokenness or shame is a new creation in Christ, if you believe him. He's cleansed you. He wants to heal you. He fully embraces and accepts you. He loves you no matter what you've done. He has so much grace for you. He is love and you are loved. Secondly, I want to recognise um, women and just say that, that I know it's often hard to be a woman in this, this dimension of life. Maybe it's because of just like the population imbalance that we hear about. We don't experience that at Embrace as much as, as other um, churches. But, you know, whether it's that or, or possibly like just because of the way um, our bodies work um, or the, the cultural expectations of beauty and youthfulness, you know, often for some reason men get to hold a lot of the cards and, and have a lot of the power when it comes to things like dating and they, they get to make all the decisions it seems sometimes. But New Testament Christianity is radically countercultural when it comes to elevating the value of women. And so I want to say to all the young women here, Jesus loves you, he has a plan and purpose for you. And to the men, let's, let's always seek to lay down the power that our culture gives us. I know it sometimes might not feel that way, and we like want to use the power so we can, like, you know, meet someone, but let's lay down the power that culture gives because we're all equal before God. And finally, a uh, partial consideration I'm not sure if there are people here who experience this, but same sex attraction, um, maybe you know someone who, who's, who's same sex attracted. Um, even though God designed sex and marriage for, for one man and one woman, and that's, that's, that's the way the Bible says it. Even though God designed sex between one man and one woman and, and designed marriage for one man and one woman, sex and marriage is not what makes you fully human. And so it can be really difficult, but our desires ultimately point to communion with God in heaven, there's no sex or marriage because we're all in communion with God. Full communion with the Father. Full connection to Him. And Jesus was never married. He never had sex. So if you're um, wrestling with that idea of same-sex attraction or if you're wrestling with just singleness and celibacy, sex is not what makes you human. Marriage is not what makes you human. You're more than your, your orientation. You're more than your desire. God is love and you are love. So that's some considerations. Just to wrap up, I want to um, briefly consider how do we live this out? Three, three short things. How do we live out this vision? I think, first of all, this is at the bottom of the page we've just got to follow Jesus. Be with him, learn from him, and become like him. You know, we're made for him, he's our ultimate goal. And so we we want to take on his mental maps, take on his disposition and mindset, take on his whole way of life. As Paul says to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 6, take hold of the life that is truly life. Secondly, be transformed, not conformed. Resist and be renewed. Resist the temptation to do what's normal, in this world. Resist the temptation to look sideways and go, they're doing it, this seems normal. Resist the desires and temptations of the flesh. Jesus says, cru- Paul says, crucify the desires of the flesh because there's something better. Be renewed by the Spirit so you might know God's good, pleasing and perfect will. And finally, just, just laugh. That's the goal of this all. Love God, love people, love others, love lovers. If you're married, love your lover well. If you're not married um, and you're dating, love your partner well. If you're single, love your friends well. Love your future spouse well by how you live. Love the people around you well. Pursue singleness well if you're single. Pursue dating intentionally and well if you're dating. Love God and love others. Alright, why don't we just close our eyes, I might just pray and then we'll have a moment to reflect and ask some questions. I'm just going to sit down. pray, God, that, that you'd renew our minds so that we might offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. And I pray that you just heal any pain and shame and just renew us. That we might be able to live for you, from you and to you, with our sexuality, with our desires with our dating. Not to earn your love, but because of your love and because you are good and because you give grace. We want to live in your ways. We want to take hold of life that is truly life.